Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Hello and welcome to The Best in the World with Richard Parr. Fight fans, get ready, because coming up on today's show, I speak to the UFC Super Fight Champion. He's a UFC Hall of Famer, and he's also a former WWE superstar. Yes, Dan the Beast Severin is on this week's Best in the World with Richard Parr. Dan definitely comes across as one of the most confident people I think I've ever spoken to and certainly on the best in the world with Rich Barron. Of course, we have a lot of confident people because these are Olympic champions, world champions, world record holders, world number ones. And yet Dan certainly comes across as confident and inspiring all at the same time and we discuss a whole range of topics including he gives us his interpretation of what his ring name the beast actually means and means to him he talks about the difference between cage fighting which is what he started in and mixed martial arts he also discusses what is the difference between mma and professional wrestling we also talk about how he was able to learn the different disciplines of mixed martial arts how he was given certain belts in judo and other sports such as jiu-jitsu and sambo it's all in this fantastic chat with dan the beast severin and it's one of the longest conversations we've ever had on this show you know normally i ask for half an hour of these champions time and if i get more than it's an absolute bonus and dan and i must speak for around about an hour and even when we finish the conversation at the end of the chat it's like we could have gone for two, three hours. So if there is anything else you'd like to know from Dan, let me know and we can always try and get him back on the show again in the future. And it really is a fantastic conversation. It's all coming up in just a moment with Dan the Beast Severin on episode 80 of The Best in the World with Richard Parr. Before we get to the conversation, I want to say about 99designs. Now, 99designs is a product that I personally use, and I used it to get a logo design for Sportuccino, in fact. And what they do is, when you give your request, they offer it to talented freelancers around the world, and they all give you their interpretation of the design. Then if you're not happy with any of these designs, you can get your money back. If you are happy, then you can pick a couple of designers, 
and then work it further with them. And then once you're really happy with one designer, you work with them a little bit more until you've got the perfect design. And this can be for a website, it can be for a logo, it can be for a business card, it can be for anything that you need designs. Go and check them out. Go and do it through sportacino.com forward slash 99designs. That's 9 and 9, the numbers, and designs. That's sportacino.com forward slash 99designs. Give it a try. Let me know what you think. It is a product that I personally use. All right, I did speak to Dan Severin a little bit earlier this year in the start of July, but we're now ready to share it with the world. Get ready. It is a UFC super fight champion, a UFC Hall of Famer. He is the best in the world. It's Dan Severin. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. Dan the Beast Severin, welcome to the Best in the World with Richard Parr. Some amazing success in the UFC, a fantastic wrestling career. But let's first catch up with people who, who don't know what you're up to now, Dan. What, what's going on in your life at the moment? Oh, holy moly there, Richard. Uh, I'll say, well, hello and thank you. But, uh, wow, uh, I mean, do you have uh, five or ten hours here to, <laughs> to talk about what all I have going on? I mean, that, I mean, honestly, you know, I, I, do, I do not even say that jokingly whatsoever. Um, I've, I've got a lot of people that they wonder how come I look so so young still for my age and, and uh, for the fact that I'm going through so many matches to fight that. I go, well, I said i got too many projects going on. I have to live to be at least 125 to get the current to-do list done. <laughs> and then that's, that, that's without adding anything between now and then. But uh, give you some highlights. I bounce between two states, Michigan and Arizona. Um, I'm born and raised in Michigan. And uh, I went to Arizona State University. So for a solid decade, I lived out in Arizona between first five years student athlete, uh, second five years as a sister wrestling coach before taking a job from Arizona State to Michigan State again in the sport of wrestling coaching. Uh, so uh, I was there for another three years. But but just you know from there, you know certain things that, that highlights of, of my career were in 1992 when a new rule change down came down from the United States Olympic Committee that allowed athletes to be both amateur and professional simultaneously. That made a big impact upon my life because I had had several small independent professional companies uh, approach me through the 80s, but you know, at that time, had I turned pro, I would, I would not, I would have been banned from amateur wrestling, and my amateur wrestling career meant too much to me. Mm. So I, I turned them down, but as of 92, boom, I've got a green light. So I first jumped into that. And then by 1994, this crazy cage fighting world opened on up, known as, well, it was known as No Holds Barred, but it has now, uh, all your listeners will know it as uh, MMA or Mixed Martial Arts. So, and I'll just say that uh, I've always been busy. I, I tell people that I have lived out of a physical, I actually use a physical planner, and uh, I've, been, I've been living out of that since my junior year in high school. And it hasn't changed since then. Oh, fantastic! So uh, we're we're talking like a like a notebook, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. An actual physical one, because a lot of people say, "Well, why don't you use an electronic one?" And because uh, you know everyone, because they always hold up their cell phone. I go, "Well, I, I, I'll hold up my cell phone and I hold up my, my actual physical planner, the little notebook, and I'll say, well, okay, watch.' I, I, and I'll drop the notebook. I go, "It's good." 
if I dropped my cell phone, I just lost a seven hundred to a thousand dollar phone. Yeah, because it's not going, it's not going to weather that same storm of, of, of falling just a few feet. And I go, and I, and uh, you know, I I could actually leave this. It could fall in water, and I could shake it out of, and, and my planter will, will actually dry out. I, it was, I've, I've had this only happen to me twice in. Well, whatever, 20 some odd years I've been operating out of a, a planter where actually I actually misplaced my planter. Mm. One that, once that I, I just, it, it's gone to a black hole space. Don't know that, that happened to me probably well, half a dozen years back. And, it, and uh, another time, relatively recently, recently as just a few months back, I had, and I know, I keep thinking, it's not that it's lost. I go, it's I misplaced it. I placed it someplace, and I just don't know where I set it down to because I do so many things simultaneously that a lot of times I'll set something down nonchalantly, go on and do half a dozen other things, and then I'm like going, uh-oh, I got to start backtracking and try to find where I placed this. So my, my planner actually was outside at, at my Michigan residence um, for over two weeks. Oh. And, it sto- and it it probably stormed at least four or five times. And the thing, actually, it was, uh, luckily, it it, it stayed closed the entire time. Mm. Uh, It was saturated with water, nothing blurred or anything like this nature, but it took took a couple days of actually using like a blow dryer or stuff like this and letting it kind of lay and and have things lay in between pages. I mean, it it looks like crap, (laughs) but... I'm lost without it because I I work on so many projects and what's coming up and uh, I even posted on my Facebook page uh, that uh, sorry folks if if you got me a book for something you better get in contact with me because I don't have uh, any clue as to what's coming up. <laughs> and when you uh, obviously fill one of these planners up, have you kept all of the previous editions and everything like that? Uh, yes, I actually, actually, actually I have. I I, I keep them. Um, not, not all the, the daily detail type stuff. Uh, I, I typically will keep, uh, the month, uh, each month uh, for that year. Cause that's where, you know, a lot of people question how many matches I've had in MMA. For example, I'm just using this as just one example. And, uh, and I, and I, and I, I don't, I don't really pay attention. I don't do a lot of searching on, Facebook pages just to do random searches and, and I'll, I'll simply say like something like, uh, well, what, what is, what does the internet say? And they'll go to whatever, uh, full contact fighter, uh, sure dog, one of these, uh, uh, web, uh, watchdog websites. And I'll say, well, your record is this. I go, I said, well, they're, they're close then. Mm-hmm. And then, and, uh, they're like, well, what do you mean they're close? I said, well, when did sure dog full contact fighter all these other watchdog websites when did they come about you know they, they didn't start right out up when no holes barred fighting took to uh was taking place uh they they didn't come into existence until maybe two three four or five years after the fact because everyone thought it was going to fizzle fizzle out and they only really monitored one company and that was the ultimate fighting championship Mm. I said, when No Holds Barred broke, I used to have businessmen out here. I, I'm actually standing, I'm still inside the cage. <laughs> and I've got businessmen coming up to me and handing me their business card and saying, contact me, contact me. Mm. And so I always tell people that you, you could probably easily add another 15 to 25 matches to my record conservatively. Oh, wow. And when you would write down the 
let's say you've got a match coming up on Sunday in in, in yeah. your journal, in your book, would you then write any notes back in there afterwards of how well you did or anything to improve, or would it always be looking forward? Um, not in, in, in the particular planner, because that, that I would be doing that independent paper. Mm. Uh, just because the planner doesn't have enough room to write all, all my notes down. It just, it's just good just to keep... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I call it the monthly slash daily planner. So I, I, it does give me some space, but, you know, just give it like, uh, uh, let's see if I can actually give you an idea. Just, well, because today is uh, July the 3rd, Monday, July 3rd. And basically, uh, I have uh, really only two functions taking place because you know, of, of the holiday taking place tomorrow. Um, and, and uh, you know, as, as we were talking just a little bit off, off, off the uh interview earlier i've been up since 5 a.m this morning because i'm out here in arizona and it's, it gets extremely hot so i try to get out and get get some things done i've been swinging a pick uh, and a shovel since 5 a.m this morning and i got my job done and you know all, all the garbage cans are out and stuff like this so I, I feel good about where i'm at here right now so now as the heat is increasing i'm going to be heading back indoors and, and now i'm going to put my my mind to work. I'm a big believer that you have to have body and mind in motion, and you better be exercising it in some type of fashion. Hmm. So, yeah, what do you mean by that? How are you going to put your mind to work now, Dan? Well, again, I will go back into uh, well, you know, like when, when this when the interview is done here. I actually will be heading back into the uh, the home there, and I will uh, start to gauge my day of the number of different projects I'm working on, even though like tomorrow's a holiday, even on holidays, even on, you know, Sunday mornings and Sundays, I will, I'm not going to really call people on a Sunday, but usually uh, on uh, those kind of days, I will set off emails. I'll, I'll set off Facebook messages, things of that nature that I rather have it in somebody else, uh, have it in their court and I'm waiting on them than them waiting on me. Proactive rather yeah, than reactive. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Well, it's kind of like you know, it, it, it's uh, well, the internet it never sleeps. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, if we do think about it, it it's you know, sometimes it's hard to conduct interviews because you're in the get correct me if I'm wrong. You're in the, in the the UK. Yeah. Okay, so you're while I'm in Arizona, you are five hours ahead of me right now. So you're looking at. Uh, it's eight twenty-seven. I ten left out one two three. So it's about uh, three thirty your time, right? Uh, yeah, four thirty actually. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Just I was a little bit off of my math there, but but again, I, I look at well, I'm in Arizona. You're five hours ahead of me. When I'm back in Michigan, you're you're uh, eight hours ahead of me. So I, it's hard to make phone calls, but that's good. That's it's easy to send off Facebook messages and things of that nature. I think mm. it's harder yet when you start looking at even more uh, greater time zone differences. Mm. I just I guess it's just really Richard just my way of saying that yeah, getting back to what all am I up to, uh I'll say some of the primary things that I do is uh like the number one thing is a lot of people bring me in for instructional type seminars. Anything you know, like anything that involves the the grappling or wrestling skills in the United States, uh wrestling falls under the category of either folk style, freestyle or Greco. We're the only country that does our version of folk style. That's what we do at our high schools, our junior highs, and in, at our uh, colleges. And then, uh, well, the rest of the world does either freestyle or Greco-Roman. 
So realistically, both athletes, their careers come to an end at the end of the high school uh, career because not too many of them get an opportunity to go out to college and to participate uh, in, in, in any kind of scholarship type programs on a collegiate type level. You know, I, I was very fortunate. I was very fortunate, where in the sense that I went to college had a full athletic scholarship. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, that's what paid for my education, but it also it opened up the world to me because I always tell people I've been to every country that has ever had a wrestling program and some that don't even exist anymore. <laughs> so I, it's, a, it's provided me with that avenue to travel and to meet people and to see things that otherwise I would have never seen in my life. Mm. But now it continues on because I still do a lot of instructional yeah, I, I refer to it as just conducting seminars. For some reason, in the martial arts world, they're caught up in the world seminars, whereas in the amateurism world, they use the world they use the word clinics. Can we have you to do a folk style clinic? Can you uh, specifically talk about uh, turning and painting combinations, or can you really work on uh, escapes from the bottom position, or can you work on uh, takedowns and things of that nature? So I I, I customize seminars uh, now only because of what I've done from, say, 92 on. It uh, it kind of opened up a lot more of visibility when I started doing professional wrestling and, and my name started getting out there a little bit more and more. They're like Dan Severn, a professional wrestler. Well, they they never knew who Dan Severn, the amateur wrestler, was. Mm. Or then by 1994, when I jumped into the cage fighting world, and uh, now there's Dan Severn, the cage fighter. I, and I, always, I keep using that, that phrase, cage fighter, is because of you know to educate your your listeners a little bit, they're only I'd say ninety plus percent of your your uh, listeners or or viewers of this article uh, are going to only know the terms mixed martial arts or MMA, <clears throat> and the current product mixed martial arts MMA has either forty seven or forty nine rules to it. You know you're you go against one opponent, you go uh, you go. Uh, you wear gloves, and there's all kinds of rules, regulations, there's, there's rounds, and, and the whole nine yards were back in the no holes barred or NHB period of time. There were only the two rules of do not bite your opponent, do not stick a finger in the eye socket, no eye gouging. Mm-hmm. End of the rules. <laughs> and I always tell people, end of the rules, because they, they, uh, people always say, well, you can't do this. You can't. No, I said, did you bite him, or did you stick a, stick his own with the eye socket? You're good to go. So there was only two rules that you had to conduct yourself by. There were no weight classes. There were no time periods. It was bare-knuckled action. And the biggest thing is it used to be an eight-man bracket. And the same two-hour pay-per-view that still plays to this day, you had to defeat three opponents, three men, because it was only men that was competing at at this time. But that era is all, all all, all gone now. I'm the I am the only triple crown champion from the UFC's no holes barred era, so it kinda of puts me in a category all by myself. On top of, of the fact that um in the in this cage fighting world there's only four athletes in the world that have over hundred cage fights. I'm one of the four. There's only three in the world that have over hundred victories, I'm one of the three. Now the ironic part is I have faced the other three I have defeated the other three, and the closest one to my age is 15 years my junior. So once again, I put myself into a whole different classification because I am I'm lifetime chemical free. You find you find another athlete, especially at the heavyweight weight class. 
that can make all my claims. And, and here's here's the real two kickers, Richard. I have never been in a fight in my entire life. Oh wow! And uh, I've only done two training camps in a twenty-year career. Two. The rest of the time, I simply travel to, and and half the time, I don't even know who I'm. Uh, going up against until I'm in the cage and I'm listening to the announcer. Okay, so he's got a Muay Thai background. Better watch out for kicks and elbows. And I'm actually I'm putting my game plan together seconds before it's about to start. <laughs> so, with that in mind, what were the advantages you had then over these people when you're not doing camps? You don't have research on your opponent. What, what is what is the edge that made you this uh, amazing champion? Well, I'll say two two things. Um, the biggest thing is I, I have a mental mindset that uh, not equal to too many other people. That is the one thing I have going, really going for me. Uh, but then part of that mindset is I knew what skills were going to prevail for me. And I'm not going to climb into a cage and I'm not going to fight your fight. I'm going to force you to fight mine. And mine's easier. It's an easier game plan because, you know, people always talk about the, the striking element. So it's so important, and, and and it is. But you know, I I was so yeah, I was so old in my career. And again, I just you gotta realize I did not even start a cage fighting career until just before turning thirty-seven years of age. Oh, you wow. don't start a cage fighting career at that point in time. You retire and you flee from it. <laughs> And then, but I went. I, that's why I started, and I went twenty years beyond that. You'll never, you'll never see it duplicated again, ever. I, I'll make wagers now for the future for any of your listeners that would like to go out and do that, especially when you take everything else into consideration of what I've done and the fact that being lifetime chemical free and you know the fact that I, I said that I've, I've never been in a fight before. I work with a lot of first responders, other seminars that that I do or instruction that I do. I work with law enforcement, corrections, air marshals, border patrol, military, and as far as I know, I'm still the only civilian ever to be brought on base to the world's largest private security company. And they've and they've brought me back a couple times so far because they they're, they're amazed the way my mind thinks and what I can come up with. And I always tell all of these guys, I have never been any any of the above, but because but I understand physical mechanics, and I always say that. Everyone has their gift, whether it be singing or dancing or, or mathematics or whatever else you have, you your science, but uh, my gift is physical mechanics. I, I, I work with, I, you know, I've had five children, so I've worked with my, my own children with them and, and their different athletics. So I had this one son that was a wrestler. I had another one that was in track and field, you know, daughter that was in volleyball. And so I actually would work on them with the, you know, even though I have a, a 10,000 square foot training facility in my backyard, you know, I would get out the, the I purchased the, the basketball hoops. I would set up the orange cones so they could go back and forth and, and tell them they have to be ambidextrous. They have to be able to dribble a ball with their left hand equally as well as with their right hand. It just, to me, it's common sense, but <laughs> common sense is not very common anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to talk a bit more about that and the, the, the mental side and also, like you say, the, the, the physical attributes that you had because, you know, with mixed martial arts, you've got to be an expert in 
or many people are experts in in different martial arts and obviously you've got your wrestling backgrounds you're an expert in judo jiu-jitsu sambo when when you would take on a new kind of martial art were there any kind of uh, routine and processes that you would help replicate from doing the last one which would help well let me let me let me just correct you just a little bit on that okay and, sure uh, a lot of those things that, that you mentioned yes i actually have I actually have a different uh, degree levels or uh, recognized or certification type levels. I can, I think I'm either I don't know first, second, or first, second, or third degree black belt in judo and and uh, combat sambo and in jujitsu. And I and I always point out, I go, uh, folks, those are called honorary degrees. Ah, oh, okay. I my martial arts background is this. I took a judo class back in 1976. End of my martial arts background. <laughs> now, take that into consideration. I took a... Uh, when I went to Arizona State, I... There's even more story. I'm, I have seven other brothers and sisters. I'm second on the totem pole. I would have never thought of asking my parents for money to go to college because they did not have it. And I would never have asked them to do that. I had a couple of my friends had older brothers. Uh, and I seen where they basically, uh, upon high school graduation, they went into the military, gave up four years of, of, of their uh, of their life, and then uh, they come back, and then they, they went to college on, on what is known as the GI Bill. And I thought, okay, that's my route. I'll probably end up going because, you know, I'll wait, wait, I'll wait. I'm taking care of things, but because scholarships, started coming on my way. I, I, I took route number two, and I was going to college on a full athletic scholarship. And uh, so, you know, I, I utilized my physical capabilities. So I'm trying to think, what, what was your your original question before I went off on this little uh, adjunct here? What, what was your original question? It was effectively asking you uh, how you would approach different disciplines oh. of, of of sports and and, yeah. how, and and i think we can even branch that out into how you would approach different things in life i guess yeah okay that okay that that gets right, right back on scope well my freshman year I, I was a very successful high school wrestler um and i wanted to see how would i do at a division one uh collegiate program and so my first semester you you can actually see my first semester there by all the classes i took there was there wasn't going to be any degree anytime soon in my life because I took to give you an idea I, I took a nutrition class so that I knew that everything that I consumed was going to make me the ultimate wrestler. I took a weightlifting class that helped me to design weightlifting programs so I could make myself as strong as possible, uh, you know, sport specific. And then uh, then I, I took a judo. That's why I took this judo class because judo teaches you a lot of good foot sweepy type techniques. And I had two instructors. I had an Asian instructor, instructor, and I had an American instructor. The Asian instructor absolutely hated me because I did not conform to the Jadokian way. Mm. And, I, and, I, and then I explained it to both him and to the American instructor. The reason I took this class. Now, test-wise, I aced all the tests. Skill-wise... I destroyed everybody in the class. There was it, it was I could have my my way. I, I could probably have had my way with what both of the instructors feel. But I, 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 you know, out of respect, I'm not out of respect. I would have never challenged either one of them. But uh, but you know, they, they I, I still got a poor grade because I did not do it 
the judo kid way. I didn't do it the, the, the right judo. And then, then I told him, I said, I took this class to help me learn some good foot sweeping type techniques because the throws were not going to be good for amateur wrestling. And see, and now the American instructor started going and watching some of the home uh, dual meets that were taking place, uh, the, the college wrestling dual meets that were taking place. And he actually saw how I was doing exactly what I said. I'm foot sweeping these, these uh, I, I wrestled both a 190-pound weight class and a heavyweight weight class. I bounced between the two. Uh, and he just he, he saw how I'm using these skill sets and stuff like this. And then at the end of my collegiate season, he says, hey, Dan, he says, how would you like to go and watch a judo tournament? I'd never, I'd never seen one. And I go, sure. So I traveled down with, you know, he had a group of students, and he gets me down, gets me at, at this location. He says, well, Dan, now that you're here, how would you like to compete? And I go, well, I don't have a gear or nothing like that. And it's like, ta-da, he had it all. It, it was a setup. <laughs> and so he, you know, uh, he, he gives me this. I, I don't even know how to tie. Well, I should say I, 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 I did have a judo gi for, for the class. I had to have one for that, but I did not bring it on, on that trip. But and, uh, you know, so I'm, you know, he actually even had to show me how to tie my belt correctly. That's how bad I, I, I knew I did. There's just so much, so much uh, tradition that goes of bowing to the mat before you even walk onto it. You, you stand on a mark and you bow to your opponent. You bow to the, the referee, the, the, the side judges, all this tradition. That, and I look like some wild hillbilly out there because I'm not doing none of this because I don't know all of this. And, you know, and then, uh, you know, the referee is like, you know, he's saying hajime, which means the the, uh, the the Japanese word for, you know, to commence the, the matches on. And I didn't know haji who. And then I'm thinking, okay, let's, he's, my opponent's coming toward me. I'm thinking, well, I guess game on. And uh, I'm I'm literally, I'm mauling these men. And, and I do this for probably half a dozen different tournaments. I'm, I'm wearing a white belt and I'm mauling all colors, including brown and black belts. I'm mauling them, and then after doing this for about half a dozen uh, tournaments, you know, the, the tournament officials, they literally, I, again, I don't know what this, the word is called, but there's a Japanese tradition where they basically promoted me just on sheer athletic ability. They brought me up, they took my white belt, they gave me a brown belt. After another half a dozen times I'm going to these tournaments, they took my, my brown belt, and they gave me a black belt. <laughs> so you yeah, realize I'm, I'm out in Arizona. Just I, and, and again, I, I, it's not like I'm jumping in a normal schedule. I just did it really for only about uh, a, a couple of years as it fit into my wrestling schedule, all the freestyle tournaments, the Greco tournaments, as it fit, fit into everything else I was doing. Well, I'm out in Arizona for a decade. I come back to the state of Michigan. I see there's an all-black belt tournament coming up. And I go, and I entered it. So as I'm filling out the paperwork, uh, one of the, the people at the uh, the desk are like, well, what belt are you? And I says, well, black belt. And they're like, no, what belt are you? And I look again at him, I'm like puzzled with a puzzled look. I go, um, black belt? And they're like, no, are you a Nidon, a Shidon? A, you know, there's different levels of black belts. I don't know this. <laughs> And they're like, well, they're asking, well, where did you, where did you get your belt? And I said, it was given to me. And now they think, now they're thinking that I'm some like lunatic, goofball. And the tournament director comes over, and he, he, he's like, he makes a mark on my uh, belt sheet. He says, 
when your first belt comes up, he says, I'm going to be there to watch. He said, because I don't want to, he says, I don't want to see you get hurt and stuff like this. I go, fair enough. And so match comes, uh, my first match comes on up. That it's all black belt tournament. I, I've got the returning champ, my first match out, out of the box. Cause typically they always give the, 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 the returning champ, they'll give him the easier route. Well, I'm his first match. I destroyed him in underneath a minute. <laughs> and, and, and the, uh, you know, the, the tournament director was, was like, was blown away. But again, am I doing it the judo way? No. I'm doing it Dan several way. I, I have, I'm literally, I'm, I've, I've bastardized my sport towards the combination of wrestling, judo, freestyle wrestling, Greco-Roma wrestling, folk style wrestling, all, all mixed into it. And he gives me a certificate. He says, here, he says, this, this will help you out for any future type of tournament. So, you know, that's what I say that those are all honorary degrees. Like, for example, I, I'm a Sambo national champion on top of this. I have never taken a single Sambo class. I have, I don't even, I've never even owned a Sambo jacket. I went to Sambo National Championships, registered, weighed in. I saw another guy close to my, my same size. I go, hey, um, hey buddy, uh, you care if I borrow your, your Sambo jacket for a couple matches? And I won the Sambo National title. But again, bastardizing my sports together. I keep saying bastardizing because. They're not all clean wrestling. Even jumping into the Ultimate Fighting Championships or, or my cage fight career, wrestlers do not stand upright like that, like they do in the fight world. It's a totally different. I mean, a Greco-Roman wrestler wrestles totally differently than what, what a freestyle wrestler does. And then, and even differently than the, what, what someone would do in folk style. So literally, I understand all of these things. You know, So I'll say that my success is because... I knew what my skill set was. It, it's not going to be, I'm not going to win contests because of my striking ability, but I better learn how to, how to defend strikes. Because in order for you to strike me, you must be within arm's distance. If you're going to kick me, you've got to be within leg's distance. And, and again, I understand the way you're training, because you're going to throw that fist out, and then you're going to retract it. So I was, I was always good about baiting and so when they would throw i would move a little bit out of range and now you're going to recoil that fist back to you and as you recoil it that's when i would life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs united healthcare can help get you covered with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Move right on in. I will clinch you, jam you up against a cage wall, or take you down, and I will simply look upon you and I go, Welcome to my world. You will never see the light of day again because I want him back in mind. If if I do, if you do get away from me, you're going to reward me with punches or kicks, and I don't want to be punched or kicked. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. We'll have more from Dan in just a moment. Now, we've nearly been producing podcasts for two years on The Best in the World with Richard Parr, and we've done it all for free, and it takes a lot of work. It can be from the getting the guests through constant emails and phone calls and everything like that. It can be from doing the research for the interview. It can be conducting the interview. It can be editing the interview, uploading, doing all the promotion, doing all the social media. It's a pretty full-on job, and we've been doing it for you for free for nearly two years and if you have appreciated what we've done and you would like to support what we're doing you can do that using the crowdfunding site called patreon all you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash best in the world and there you have the opportunity to donate to our program from as little as one dollar a month and, you know, on average, we're putting out at least four episodes a month. So that's 25 cents an episode. So you're listening to well over an hour's worth of knowledge from Dan the B Severin for 25 cents. If you can do that, if you can spare that, if you have a moment where you want to help support our show, I would really appreciate it if you could do it. All you've got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash best in the world all right let's return to the conversation with the ufc hall of famer dan the beast Severin. the best in the world podcast with richard parr so can the dan Severin methods so to speak, be applied to other people if they've got a good background, maybe in amateur wrestling or, or maybe in something else, and then just enter tournaments and kind of learn that way. Or is this really unique to you? Um, I, I, would, I would say they they're not going to be able to do their sport clean the same way that I always tell people I did not do my sport clean; I bastardized it. And that's the same way that they're going to they have to be able to do it. You can't. You still need, you know. The matches all start on their feet. So the very first thing you need to do, you have to have at least some type of striking defense mechanisms in place, whether it's to prevent to be kicked, punched, but then now gets into closer range, kneed, elbowed. And then after that, now you're getting into actual clinching and, and takedowns and close quarter combatives, and that's where you know, my, my, the, the stuff that I do in close quarter combatives most, most do not ever see. My style was not exactly fan, a fan favorite because most people did not see what I was doing. But if you were to ever talk to my opponents afterwards, they would be like, oh, dude, he, every time he touched me, he put me in pain. And I did. Mm-hmm. My workout partners would, would, would tell you the exact same thing, that I have the gift of pain. And that, that's the gift of giving it, though. But what about 
taking it, what was your threshold and how would you mentally get through some situations where you'd be in a lot of pain? Well, again, I'd say it's that mindset, but at the, at the same token, you know, I've, I've been torqued on so for so many years through amateur wrestling. My my amateur wrestling career really prepared me well. Not not my domestic side amateur wrestling career because that's that's civilized, that's nice. But my international freestyle and Greco-Roman career is is the aspect to know that you know. Let's face it, America is hated by a lot of other countries for what it represents. But again, that's where I'll, I'll say that. I always tell people that I made my first international trip in 1976. And in that first trip, I learned my eyes were wide, were opened up a great deal. I learned the word propaganda oh so well. How other countries use it, uses it against us, but then how our own country uses it against the sheeple as well. I was just going to ask, was there a favorite country you did like going to? And, and where also was the most hostile? Uh, well, I'd say the most hostile was, you got to realize, you know, I, I was still wrestling during the Cold War era. So any of the communist bloc countries were against the United States. You know, to, to, be, to, be, in, to be in Russia, which was then known as the USSR, you know, the Soviet Union. You know, I did to, to, to be... Uh, uh, to be in East Germany when there was an East Germany to see to see it pass through the Iron Curtain to see the Berlin Wall while it was still intact while it was caging people in and to talk to these people and, and to see the mentality and it was it was almost like watching well being in East Germany it was like a black and white film and then to look beyond it and to see all the all the the brightness and colors and other areas it was just like it was just you know the difference of night and day just the attitude of people and things of that, that nature so uh, I'll say that I, I I chalk up that my international competition experiences has been one of the greatest educational aspects of my career literally when it comes to people. People are almost all the same. They just want the best for their families. They just, they, they want to you know they want to be left alone. Uh, unanimously, unanimously, worldwide, most people wish if they could do away with their governments. It's the their governments that muddles the situation, and the propaganda that that, that they spill to stir up the pot. To make people either dislike each other, things of that nature. That's why I, I don't. I very rarely even watch the news anymore because it's all it's all BS. Mm. Did, did I read that you don't even have a TV? No, no, no. I, I, I you, you probably read the article that when I did when I did do my two training camps, um, I, I did have a TV. It basically, it was a black and white TV with, with an old VCR set up just so I could watch some of the the matches. Mm. Yeah, when when I actually did know of an opponent, but that was only for like UFC number uh, number four. Did I, I even have a chance to even look at anything? Yeah, because it's it's not uh, things were not readily available like they are today. Because like today, I could simply say, okay, who who's my opponent, Rich Barr? Okay, I got Jack. I, I can Google your name. I can see what your fight career is. I can I can get on YouTube. I can see some of your matches, and I can uh, I can critique your your fight style. And to see what do I feel is are your weaknesses. I mean, there's so much more at your fingertips here right now. I was, you know, for example, I was, uh, I was, uh, 
I think, I don't know, 12 or 18 hours into my master's master's degree at Arizona State. But I was also uh, a couple years ahead of the Internet era. So when I left Arizona State to go take my the new job position at Michigan State, that's where my master's died on the vine because I had to stay there in order to finish up my degree. Whereas just a few years later, you know, you've got the Internet era to where now you can simply just go online mm-hmm. and get a master's degree. I was always actually, I was, I was thinking about, you know, my my, uh, my older brother basically ended up getting himself uh, a PhD. I think, I think I'll do that too. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about how you were able to, you know, like you said with the, the early days of the UFC, how there was only two rules and everything like that. And then you also were a professional wrestler. And, and obviously in professional wrestling, it's not so much about um, almost trying to make the person submit and, 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 and trying to actually beat them like real physically yeah. to a pulp. How were you able to adapt between the, the two? Well, my first, the first profession, you know, as I said earlier, as of the 92 Olympics, my first profession was professional wrestling. So I first started doing that, and, you know, just like what you said right there, they're as different as night and day. One is a true athletic competition, where the other one is an athletic performance. But I always tell people, because I, you know, I travel out and, uh, for, the, for appearances and, and, and uh, uh, seminars, and I always bring four belts that travel with me, four most recognizable belts in the world, three from the Ultimate, three from the Ultimate Fighter Championship and, and one from the, the world of professional wrestling, the National Wrestling Alliance belt. And they'll, some people will see them on display, and they're like, oh, and they're, they're on, and they're like, oh, these are original belts, stuff like that. And I go, yep, they are. And, and then they're, uh, uh, they'll, they'll say, uh, well, they, uh, they, like NWA, what does that stand for? And I said, it stands for National Wrestling Alliance. It was a, one of the... the it was a world dominant uh, organization, you know, dating back to late 1800s until probably right around the, I don't know, let's say 50s, 60s, probably even into the early 70s. Very prestigious, if you were. Uh, it, it used to be hold the NWA title belt, um, and uh, a lot of people would, would say, "Well, you, what kind of wrestling is that?" I said, "Well, if you watch like uh, the WWE or TNA, those are the two television type of products." And they say, "Oh, you mean?" They said the fake stuff. I go, don't, don't say the word fake. I said because these athletes are taking physical trauma to their body to be picked up and to be body slammed, to be hit with clotheslines, the whole nine yards. You know, even even the professional wrestlers don't realize that they they're learning the most basic fundamentals of martial arts break and how to land and land uh, with as much body mass as possible so that you could dissipate you know, the impact and. Uh, you know, I, I said that. Uh, yeah, I said obviously you recognize these three belts back there. And I go, oh yeah, I love, love that. That that uh, you know the no holds barred. Or I love the uh, the big martial arts uh, aspect of it. I go, then why is it? I go, you recognize these three belts back back here. I said, why is it? As I'm pointing towards the NWA belt, why have I been hurt far worse in my professional wrestling career than I have been in all of my cage fights combined? Mm. And why was that, Dan? Well, again, they're, they're puzzled, and again, you know, but but the the reason is this, and it's very simple. It's a very simple explanation. I always tell people, in a true athletic competition, all you got to do is walk out there and get results. It doesn't. You're not trying to fill a book of time because in professional wrestling, 
you're filling a window of time. The promoter might say, you know, uh, Richard, you and Dan, you've got to go out to, you, you've got to give me a 15-minute match. Richard, you get to win, but you got to win in a cheating fashion so Dan can still look as a, look good as a strong baby face. And, and there's, a, there's a chance now of, of rebooking a rematch. And, and, and from there, you guys go figure out how you want to put your match together. But in a 15-minute match, there's got to be give and take. I just can't, I can't go out there and just kill you off in the first 30 seconds because you we have to fill a 15-minute window of time. So in this 15 minutes of time, there's going to be you're going to you're going to pick me up, you're going to body slam me, you're going to choke me on ropes, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Then I'm going to then I'm going to basically you're going to go up to the top ropes, you're going to do like a moonsault type thing, that's a killer type move. I roll all the way, boom, you hit, yeah, the way. I I fire on up, I pick you up, and I start doing European uppercuts. I pick you on up, I body slam you, this and that. I mean, so there's physical there's physical trauma taking place throughout this this uh, entertainment sport. And, uh, well, just one of the sheer facts that I think professional wrestling has some of the highest death rates of any profession, period. Now, not inside the ring. Most of these athletes, they they start, uh, it's due to what's called chemical cocktails. They, they're, they're, again, I, I use the best known company, WWE. Last I knew, uh, the average uh, contract for WWE uh, uh, athlete was 187 dates a year. That doesn't mean travel to or travel back from. So 187 dates a year that you are going to be climbing into a ring and doing a performance. So if you get tweaked up, and what you do, a lot of these guys, they start getting on painkillers. Then comes with the muscle relaxers. It's a crazy schedule, so they need something to get them up and get them going in the morning, some type of amphetamine. They need something to put them to sleep at night so they get some kind of sleep. And then no one wants to see pasty, white, weakly type of guys, so now they get on steroids. They get on growth hormones. And now you mix any of that with um, party favors, alcohol, or getting into any other dr- drugs of your choice, and they wonder why your heart gives out. And it's uh, it's one of the, well, not one of it. I think it is the highest death rate of any professional of any profession on an annual basis. And how difficult was it being in? in those surroundings with all of that going on and how, you know, how often were you being offered with potentially uh, other drugs which could help you and, and get through any injuries? Well, I mean, honestly, Richard, I've been around that stuff all my life. I realized, okay, I graduated out of high school in 76. While being in high school, cigarettes, alcohol, uh, marijuana, LSD was the was always around. Now, thankfully, I just don't like the taste of beer whatsoever. Just had never have. I mean, I, and I've been to, I've been to Germany half a dozen different times. I've, I've been on different tours of breweries, tasted the lights, the darks, the whole nine yards. I just don't like the taste of beer, period. So I don't do stuff. I'm not going to drink it if I don't like it. Mm. So I'll say that's, that's probably been a good thing. 
but I, I, you know, I've been around all this stuff. I just, I just don't partake into it. You know, I, I was an athlete my entire uh, high school career. Yeah, you know, I've been, I've been athlete, well, I've been an athlete my, my entire, my, my entire life. It's always been around, but I, I've, I've always, I've used different ways of diffusing it. You know, they're just, uh, even to point, I've actually during my MMA career. I had two different companies approach me. They're like, Dan, we'll take care of all of your financial expenditures, take care of all your bills. We just want a percentage of your winnings. But part of the deal is we want you to get with our doctors. Because of your age, because of your size, we think that we can get you up to probably 325 pounds, ripped at about 6% body fat, You'll have probably 35 to 40 percent more power, and I already have a gift of power. Mm. And uh, you know, but I had that, that. The thing is, I had to get on their program, and uh, I just, uh, you know, I I do too many things. I I turn them down. Mm. I I do a lot of speaking engagements with with uh, uh, you know, with whether it be high school, junior highs. Um, and, and, and even on the collegiate level, I do a lot of motivational type speaking, and, and I'll say that. Temp, and I, I talk about you know one of the aspects. I talk about the importance of education. I talk about the importance of uh, you know. I uh, talk about peer pressure. Uh, you know everything from bullying, and, and now now there's cyber bullying that's really into it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly a very politically correct type individual of what I when I talk about it. But uh, um, I just I was. I always had a way of simply saying no, mm. turn, turning it down. Would you say that the, the, the problem with um, the drugs that you mentioned in, in the world of professional wrestling, uh, in comparison to, say, mixed martial arts, where there have been reported cases of performance-enhancing drugs, would you say that either one of them, mixed martial arts or professional wrestling, has got a worse problem? Well, I would say that that uh, professional wrestling, by far, is is uh, a much worse category, just in the terms of when you look at how many people die on an annual basis mm. in professional wrestling. You know, here here's here's something. Let me let me throw a question back at you, there, Richard. Do you know of any other company in the world that? Okay, let's say you you own you own you own this company, and you have one of your employees. You, you you realize he's got he's got an alcohol problem or he's got a drug dependency type of problem in some type of area, and 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 you the owner of the company will allow our, our at at your cost you're going to put that that employee into a rehab program, and after they've gone to this rehab program they come back out and you're going to then rehire them. Mm. Do you know of any company in the world that does this? Uh, off offhand, I, I don't think I can. I don't think I can. And, 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 and anyone I've ever posed this question, it's the exact same answer. None. There's none. But the WWE has this drug rehabilitation type program in place, and they don't do it just once twice, three, four, or more times that people have fallen off the wagon. And yet, and that they'll pick up the, the bill each time. I, I commend 
Vince McMahon for being that generous, but at the same token, you know, that individual is an idiot at that point in time. They're, they're kind of a lost cause. If they're, they're, I don't know, if they're starving for the attention, if they I, if they need a, a vacation, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't get it. But there aren't vacations, though, are there? It's like a, it's a year year-long season so is that as much of the problem with you know the, the wellness policy from from what i've read about it before i believe that they have kind of three strikes and you're out although there's always rumors and allegations that certain strikes of certain people don't get reported but exactly and that's i think and that's that, that that's that exactly fair you, you should be able to put in a program knowing that i mean there's there's always going to be exceptions to all rules but it's got to be a very rare, rare is an instant that something like that, like that happens. So it just it just it, it just boggles my mind that that industry that is allowed time and time again. Mm. But it, then it, it, does the problem always go back to not necessarily the, the wellness policy, but is it actually the fact that they are working those 187 days that in fact they should be given like any normal employee would get of a 25, 30 day annual leave of working less dates, less time and almost like kind of emergency of, uh, all right, as soon as you've mentioned one type of niggling injury or something like that, that you're off for 10 days or something like that. Are these the things they need to be thinking about more then? Well, I mean, there are things that are in place there for them. I mean, again, Richard, let me go back to see. I can't really say, um, really speak on behalf of most of the professionals because I'll say that I was I'm involved in that industry, and I've learned certain aspects about that industry, and there's certain things that actually have have helped me uh, in my my career in general. Um, but I don't. I, I I was like the anomaly in that industry. I've had even still to this day. I walk into the, the to that uh, to the, to wherever that show was at because I st- I still do professional matches, and uh, I have there's there's still not a single occasion that doesn't pass me by that where where someone will kind of pull me off the side and they'll be talking to me a little bit and and then out of this conversation they'll say why do you continue to do this. I say, well, I enjoy it. First off, um, and I, you know, because we, you know, the reality is, uh, <laughs> uh, I was, none of us are going to get out of the game of life alive. How long ha- were you in the game, and how much fun did you have along the way? Now, as a broad, again, I, I make broad statements, and I always say there are exceptions to all rules. As a broad statement. Professional wrestling is one of the worst industries I've ever been involved with. Now, there are there are shining uh, points in that where there's been some ex- exceptional people I've met along the way, um, and some and some very unique experiences that uh, I, I owe it to that world. But my whole, my kind of my, my whole point was, at no time in my life was I doing just one thing at one time. You know, giving you like some timetables and, and what I'm doing. You know, I'll, I'll tell tell people that. You know, uh, I graduated out of high school in 1976. I'm the the number one recruited athlete at my weight class in the United States, and I've got the the education 
uh, what was known as GPA, your, your grade point average, to go along there with it. And I even had a congressional nomination, which means now I can go to the Air Force Academy and a few other really privileged type of uh, schools. So I tell people, it's 1976, I, I'm there. By 19, let's, now let's just jump ahead two decades. By 1996, I'm the number one cage fighter in the world. That's that's two decades later. What's the guy been doing in the, in the last two decades? A, a ton. <laughs> and then, you know, and then uh, that, that's 1996. And then you look at 2016. I was supposed to be doing yet another cage fight. You know, I, I started a cage fighting career when all others would, would have uh, retired. And then to go for two decades after that, you know, I mean, Richard, I'm, I'm a 59-year-old man. I don't look like a 59-year-old man. Mm-hmm. I don't act like a 59-year-old man, and I'm, I'm physically sound and I'm mentally sound. At least I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sound pretty mentally sound to me, Dan. But you, you can, you can hold on. You can hold an intelligent conversation because I'm not worn, torn through all those competitions. I'm not punch drunk. I'm, and there's a lot of athletes that are way younger than me. That you would be very tough to have a conversation with because they've been hit one too many times. The mm-hmm. wiring is no longer connected. That's one of the other. In the very beginning, what has dance ever been up to? A couple of the other areas I, I'm, I'm working on is because of, of some of the brain damage that has been taking place in the pugilistic arts. Because it's not just for mixed martial arts. It's not just the boxing or kickboxing. When we tie karate, kung fu, I mean they all, you know, even football. You've got this helmet-to-helmet, American football, I should should say. But then also it, it, how it pertains to military applications. When you have all these soldiers that are returning with PTSD. Mm. As I said before, I work with a lot of first responders, so my heart first goes out to you know, uh, the military and stuff like this because they're out there, they're doing, they're doing their, their job you know, without questions being asked. So I, I like the fact that I'm, I continue to help people when I when I took up teaching the sport of uh, wrestling. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I, my wrestling career. Been doing it since '69. Started to teach it by '71, and by 1972, I won my first national title. How old are you, Richard? If you don't mind me asking, uh, I should say when. Oh, no, no, no. When were you born? Uh, 1982. So again, again, you and I we never met, but my whole, my whole aspect is. I bring that up as I always tell people, I've been competing longer than what most people have been alive, and I'm not done yet. Hmm. That's just it. I'm not like sitting here in a rocking chair talking to you, going, we're way back when. No, I'm not. We're not. I, I'm, still, I'm still a competitor. Life is competition. Again, that's, that's my mental mindset. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you because I think this is a, a good way to kind of like wrap up the interview because you've kind of gone back to the original question and talking about those different decades and answering why someone asked you why you're still doing professional wrestling because you want to. If I was to do an interview with you, Dan, in, in 20 years, in 20, <laughs> let's say 2037 or something, uh-huh. what would you have liked to have achieved in those next 20 years? Well, it's the same thing that I'm achieving now. I'm, I'm, I'm making, I'm making a difference. I'm making an impact. I, I did that early on when I just started doing my amateur wrestling instruction. I, I made you a better athlete, but not just, not just an athlete. I'm also going to make you a better person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a 10,000 square foot training facility. I'm, a, I'm a probably back in Coar, Michigan. I have ongoing classes there, even in my absence. 
Uh, but when I'm there, you know, a lot more people, I, I take over the class. I take the lead of the classes because I, I, I like teaching. And it just it's even though I'm teaching the exact same thing, I just have a little bit different way of uh, approaching it, a different little way. And the fact is, I got all these young bucks that that they're st- they're just trying to keep up with the old the old guy, me. <laughs> and and they're hard pressed. You know, the thing is, and and uh, this it'll it'll be. It'll be, uh, you know, on my tombstone, whatever that, uh, whatever, or in fact that dance ever made a difference. Whether it was in, in, in wrestling, whether it was in mixed martial arts, whether it was in uh, first responders and how they train and how they perceive, perceive things, because I'm making changes there on both sides, legislatively and other stuff. But then, you know, the same all well, the impacts of what I'm doing here for first responders, the brain damage that has taken place and. And there's there's even a few other projects that I'm I'm not at liberty to talk talk about right now, but somewhere in the next say sixty to ninety days, uh, yeah, there, there there'll be reasons for why people should be talking to Dan Severn again. Mm, fantastic. Well, I think that's a, a great place to stop, Dan. And one of the last things I normally ask my guests to do is to tell us where we can continue to follow what you're up to, and also where people can continue to uh, get in touch with you if they want to improve their lives and 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 learn from you. Yep, uh, the, the best way, and I'll just give up my, my website, uh, is uh, www.dansevern.com. I just, it's www.dansevern, uh, Severn is spelled S-E-V-E-R-N.com. Uh, there is listed all my social media aspects, so you, I do Facebooks, uh, and, I, and I do answer questions. I'm a little behind, when I say a little behind, oh, I probably be, Two, three hundred messages behind their loans, just like that. Uh, they will eventually get a response from me on, on my emails and that. So I do respond to all my my stuff. They're all they are all my answers. It may not always be me behind the keyboard because I might have someone there, uh, you know, like one of my sons or daughters that might be typing out an answer for me, like, "Dad, how do you feel about this?" And I'll go blah blah blah, and those are bang out they're banging out the keyboard because they're way better than what I am on all this <laughs> social media stuff. Fantastic. Well, Dan, it's been so good to talk to you. It's been really insightful, and I've definitely learned a lot. Dan, the B7, thank you for being the best in the world. Well, that's it. Okay. The the best note on that, the beast. The beast has a lot of negative connotations. I did not make up my my ring name. It was given to me by the legendary uh, football player, American football player, by the name of Jim Brown, NFL uh, Hall of Fame. I, when I first showed up, I wore glasses, I wore a sports jacket, and a tie. And, uh, um, I, uh, you know, he, he just, he never saw the transition. Again, I, I, I don't even want to get into the story of the whole, whole aspect, but he gave me the ring name of the Beast. Now, the, the Beast has a lot of negative connotations. Anyone that knows me knows I'm not a negative person, I'm a very positive person. So I'm like, what can I make this, this ring name, this cage name, the Beast, stand for something I can live with. So I, so I came up. The word the, T-H-E, stands for Dan Severn. I'm a teacher, humanitarian, and I'm an educator. My message to young people is beast. To believe in yourself, to educate yourself, to adjust your everyday attitude, to study hard, and then to teach others because you can't take it with you. So share in the wealth and make other people better people. That is what the B stands for. And now I think we can sign off. <laughs>
<laughs> Dan, thank you so much. It's been really good to learn from you on the Best in the World podcast. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Richard. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. One of Dan's fiercest rivals has already appeared on The Best in the World with Richard Parr. Yes, Ken Shamrock has already been on the podcast. Go back and listen to that at sportaccino.com or at acast.com forward slash best or on iTunes. And you can listen to lots of other interviews on the program from pretty much any different sport that you can think of, from snooker to darts to cricket to rugby to athletics to speed skating to curling it's all been on the best in the world with Richard Park go and check all of those episodes out and if you do get a moment to subscribe to us on iTunes that would be greatly appreciated plus if you get a moment to give us a rating and review I would really appreciate that as well all right that's it for this week's best in the world with Richard Park I'll be back with you next week until then have a wonderful week goodbye the Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.